Well, good morning, everyone. We as a church are very blessed to have a building like this, and we're very blessed to have the many people that showed up to shovel off the roof so we can get more snow on it. And uh, one of the things about Maranatha is we are not a local church. We're a regional church, which means, for instance, one example is we have people coming, we're in Barron County, we have people coming from Washburn County, we have people coming from Russ County and other counties, so we're regional. And one of the problems with that would be when it snows out, many of those people cannot join us. So right now we are live Facebook streaming. So right here is a computer. I'm going to show those who are at home watching. There's everyone here. We're all here. Say hi. All right, yeah. All right, hopefully I didn't mess that up. We'll get that fixed. But... It is a blessing to gather. Thanks for coming. Some of you, like myself, got up early just to shovel, just to get out of the driveway, and we are grateful that the storm wasn't as bad as they were thinking it would be. I still have my snow boots on or work boots on just in case we had to shovel here a little bit at church. Well, this morning we're excited to gather together and worship and celebrate the Lord. I'm glad that some of you brought your kids because we love having children in our services. We love celebrating as families. When I was a little kid... My parents read to me many books, and then when I got to elementary school, I went to the school's library and picked up a book based upon the title, Fat Men from Space. And I, why are you laughing? This is, you probably picked it up too, that's why. And I, when I picked up this book, I'm like, by Pinkwater, who's this guy? And I started to read this book about these aliens coming to Earth to steal all of our hamburgers. I was just horrified, like, no, don't do that, because I love, who loves hamburgers? Wouldn't it be horrible if aliens came and stole all our hamburgers? It would just be sad. So I began to read this book and fell in love with it. And then the author, I thought, was great. I then picked up Pinkwater's other story. She's got the Hoboken Chicken, Hobo, the Hoboken Chicken Emergency. And other writings that were very funny. And I just love reading those and laughing. And I thought, this guy's a great author. He's the greatest there is. Then I got to high school, didn't read many books then. Got to college, read a few books. And then, towards the end of my college career, before I got to graduate school, I picked up another author. Shakespeare. Has anybody heard of him? Okay. Boy. Like here is Henry V. This is even from my office here. Shakespeare can write in four words what would take me a paragraph to write. He's the master of the language. I encourage you, if you haven't read Shakespeare before, read him. And I began to fall in love with the writings of Shakespeare. Pinkwater, maybe three of you knew who that was. Maybe I'm the only one. But Shakespeare, everyone's heard of him. Batman from Space, that was great. But the writings of Shakespeare are far greater and lasting, I would assume, throughout the history of time. Today we're going to do something in Scripture. We're going to look at someone who's very famous, someone who's very great. In fact, the greatest person, human, in the Old Testament. But we'll soon find out, even though he was great, Christ is far greater than this human being. And I'm excited to get into the Word. And I encourage you as we go through this series to write notes, get a journal, write down every week what we're covering, all the aspects of it. 
If you missed last week, last week was a beautiful, sweet time looking at a passage. One little verse that could be skipped over, but it was very emotional for us as we saw the beauty of Christ. So before we begin, let's open up with prayer. So join me in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this day. And Lord, I am reminded every time it snows of the verse that you wash our sins and they are whiter than snow. And God, if it snows for another year just to remind us that, it would be worth it. But I'm glad it won't. But God, you give us constant reminders that through Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness. We have salvation. And we can be whiter than snow. Lord, I pray for those who are unable to be with us, who are with us on the internet. I pray that even though they're there and we're here, that we would be able to focus, celebrate the greatness of Jesus Christ. God, guide us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, if you could take your Bibles and turn to chapter 2 in the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, if you didn't bring it with you, there should be one in front of you. We encourage you to get a Bible and bring it with you. Some of you are wanting chapter 2 of the Bible. This is chapter 2 of God's unfolding plan of redemption the story of God's plan of redemption in history and this chapter 2 is called Exodus so turn to Exodus chapter 1 we call this the book of Exodus I call it the chapter of Exodus because this is one book we can call it a book we can call it a chapter Exodus we've taken some time looking at Genesis Christ in Genesis. He was there in creation. He is the promised one, the promised descendant. He is the great high priest. And he is the lion of the tribe of Judah, as we looked at last week. Genesis describes the issue. There's grace, but there's also sin, rebellion. And then grace again, and the promises of God. Genesis is the prequel to the gospel message in the Old Testament, which is found in Exodus. I love Exodus. Genesis has been anticipating Exodus. Genesis is written out by Moses. Moses writes Exodus. He writes the five books, first five books of the Bible. He writes it out. Genesis is written anticipating Exodus. In Genesis, God lets the people know you have to be redeemed. In Exodus, God let the, lets the people know, this is how I'm going to do it, and then he does it. It's beautiful. This is not a new story. It's a continuation of what Genesis has been laying out for us. It's a continuation of the previous chapter, the previous episode, or the previous book. In fact, in the Hebrew language, when I looked at uh, Exodus chapter 1, the first word written in the Hebrew is and. And, Genesis written, and then it goes, and the rest of the story continues. Let's take a look at Exodus. I'm just going to read part of it, of chapter 1 here. Exodus chapter 1, verse 6. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly 
fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Why is this here? It's very important. We'll see this next week. Next week, oh, I can't wait to get into next week. God has a promise. He promised a man that out of his family, it would multiply and be a blessing to all the earth. It went from a man to a family to a nation to bless the world. And we're going to see here from in Exodus all the way up to chapter 14, 1 through 14, it's bad for them. And sometimes it's bad for you and I. But what does Moses do in the beginning? He lets them know, look, God is still faithful. His promise that there will be a man, a family, and then a nation. You'll have multiple descendants. It's happening. Verse 8. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us come we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous and if war breaks out we'll join our enemies fight against us and leave the country verse 11 so they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor and they they built pithom and ramses as store cities for pharaoh but the more they were oppressed the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and work them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. They have so much turmoil. They need deliverance they need freedom and God raises up chapter 2 look at this look at verse 1 of chapter 2 now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman she became pregnant and gave birth to a son and when she saw he was a fine child that's what we all say about our children she hid him for months And we'll find more about this next week. Moses appears on the scene. This Sunday we're going to talk about the accomplishments of Moses. We're going to look at all of his accomplishments. And then, from next week following, we'll look at his storyline and life. If I asked you, who is the most important person in the history of America, what would you say? Give me some answers. I love it. George Washington is one of my heroes. If we were going to do this at home, if the storm was really bad, I was going to show you my shelf of all George Washington books about him, some of his letters, writings. George Washington. George Washington would be on the list. For me, maybe Reggie White. Put that on the list, right? Okay. Or my grandpas. They all fought in World War II. I have great honor for them and respect. My one grandfather, Wisconsin boy, Called into the army. Wisconsin hard-working boys are the best. Said, all right, we've got a new division, 10th Mountain Division. We're putting you with a bunch of mules so you can carry big cannons up in the mountains. Awesome. Who are some of the greatest people in American history? Well, we would say George Washington. 
If we would ask Jews today and Jews of the time of Scripture, they would say, if we would ask them, who's the greatest human being in the Holy Scriptures? The greatest man of your tradition, most definitely they would say who? Moses. Moses was the greatest. He was the greatest. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of his accomplishments. We've got them on the screen here. Number one, he was chosen. Very important, he was chosen. He was preserved and escaped from being killed as a baby when a king declared that all young baby boys would be killed. He was chosen, spared. And he was also chosen by God to do a task. And he was faithful to do it. Numbers 12 says this, My servant Moses, he is faithful in all my house. Moses was important. He was chosen. Number two, he was a prophet of God. He was one who was chosen to speak the words of God, to give out the commandments, the Ten Commandments, which we'll see in Exodus chapter 20. We're going to take the whole summer, and each Sunday we're going to go through each of the Ten Commandments. I can't wait to do that. He gave the law. He was the prophet. He spoke the words of God. Deuteronomy 18 says this, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. Moses was a prophet. He was chosen. He was a prophet. The next one, he was a deliverer. Through him, God would display his great and mighty power. He was the deliverer. We're going to do this a couple times. You'll probably have it memorized by the end and beyond Easter because we're going to go through Exodus throughout Easter and beyond. It's this. The people were enslaved. They were in bondage. And there was an enemy oppressing them. They called out to God and God raised up a deliverer and He, by the blood of the Lamb, saved and rescued His people and they're on the way to the promised land. Moses is the great deliverer. Fourth, he established a nation. Again, God made this promise to a man, which led to a family, then which leads to a nation. We'll get to that in Exodus 19. He was the lawgiver. Again, like I said, the Ten Commandments were given from him. God spoke to him. Have you heard of Michelangelo? Great artist, the great sculpture, the great one. Take a look at his picture here. I think we got a picture of Michelangelo. There he is. Here is Michelangelo's depiction of Moses, carved out of marble. I'm not. Yeah, it's got to be marble. That's pretty much what they did. Take a look at that. Now, one thing that I noticed when I saw that is, look at the pipes on that guy. Right? What Michelangelo is trying to portray is look what's in his arm. It's the law. Big strong arm holding the law. He was the lawgiver. He was the one who gave the law. But notice also, notice his hair is kind of messed up, right? We'll get to that in a moment. It almost looks like he's got two horns sticking out of his head. We'll get to that in a moment. So he's the great lawgiver. The next one, he functioned as a priest. 
in Exodus 24 and Exodus 40, he acted as a priest to the people, helping bring forgiveness of sins as the mediator. He functioned as a high priest. Another one, he had the glory of God. He met with God, so close to God, that when he came back down from the mountain, he was glowing. The glory of God was still on him. And people were what? They were afraid. What did Moses do? He put a veil over his face. But we find out, at first I thought, well, he put a veil on not to freak people out. If I came in here glowing like I drank a bunch of glow sticks, you'd be like, what's wrong with Pastor Cody? The reason he put a veil on is because the glory was fading away. He had the glory of God. In fact, we talked about, um, in January, we talked about this Bible translations. The Vulgate, which is in Latin, translates glory in Moses in a way that it can be, it radiates from, almost like has horns, was the Vulgate translation, which is maybe not the best translation. They were trying to say it radiated from him. That's why some of the artists have little horns. It's not it's got messy hair, but it's glory beaming from his body. He had the glory of God. He was a mediator. He stood between God and man to establish the covenant after the golden calf. Golden calf incident, one of the worst sections in all of Scripture. He stood as the mediator. And he was the historian. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. The Pentateuch, we called it. Five, Penta. And lastly, he was humble. It's amazing that leaders nowadays, when they get a position of authority and leadership, humility is the last thing on their list. They use it for pride and their own glory. But Moses, listen to this, Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Now Moses was... A very humble man. More humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Moses was great. He was amazing. He was faithful. But, listen to this. Kids, he wasn't the greatest. Moses was great, but he wasn't the greatest. To learn about this, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Hebrews. So everyone, let's take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Moses did great things. In fact, Hebrew points out a few of the things that he did. Hebrew demonstrates, the book of Hebrews demonstrates that even though there's angels, even though there's high priests, even though there's the tabernacle, even though there's the old covenant, Jesus is supreme over all. And that's kind of the theme of Hebrews. And in this little section here, we see he moves, and often throughout Hebrews, he'll go from lesser to greater. Even though someone's great, we have someone far superior than that. Moses did great things, but as Hebrew points out, there's a contrast noticed. In this section, he looks at two contrasts, Hebrews chapter 3. And he uses the analogy of a builder. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. That's kind of the main thrust he's pushing here. 
That's why today we're going to celebrate communion and Jesus through this. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our Apostle and High Priest. Last week we looked at the different names of Christ. Here's two other names of Christ. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was a faithful servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house. And we are His house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence in the hope in which we glory. Two things he looks at. Number one, first, Moses was only part of the house, whereas Jesus was the builder of the house. Moses was a faithful servant in God's house. He served and worked. God chose him to do this, and Moses did it. He was faithful to it. Moses was faithful to speak the words of God. But why is Jesus greater than Moses? One answer lies in the role of Jesus. Moses had his part, but Jesus is greater because he's the builder of the house. The builder, as we just read, has far more honor than the house itself. Moses, his job was to be the mediator of the old covenant, which God chose him to do. He was faithful, but he was only part of the house, whereas Jesus, however, he's the one that designed and built the house. He is far greater. Christ is greater because He's the mediator of the new covenant. A builder is greater than the building. Here's a picture. I was going to do many pictures. My, my kids love to draw all the time. Here's a picture of my daughter. Just last Saturday they had at the university in town, they had a display of all the different artwork things. And here's Nicole with her artwork. When I looked at that, I looked at the picture and said, that's great. She drew a picture of herself and then drew a like, dot picture of herself. And I was like, oh, that's great, that's you. And I saw the Packer thing, oh, that's really cool. When I look at that, what's the greatest thing in that picture? The artwork or the artist? If you say the artwork, I'll have a little discussion with you afterwards, right? No, it's not the artwork, it's the artist. She's great. Oh, that, that's a beautiful artwork. I'll try to keep it as long as I can. That's nothing compared to the artist. A building is great, but that's nothing compared to the builder. Moses is a creature, while Christ is the creator. Moses is great. Oh, but Jesus is far, far greater than Moses. In the Old Testament, Moses was the greatest example. Now we have Christ, the greater example the second thing that he looks at moses is a servant of something greater that will come in the future a servant moses he accomplished what god gave him to do and it was hard back uh, exodus chapter 40 verse 16 it talks about moses did all that he was told to do especially with 
grumbling people, complaining in the desert. He had to deal with all these grumpy people, hardship against Pharaoh, dealing with people who complained. They had no faith in God at times. But his role was a, as a servant was to point to God and something greater that is about to come. He, it says here, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. Moses delivered and prepared the people to meet God and help the Israelites see that a Messiah is coming. That's what his role was to do. Moses is the servant while Christ is the Savior and Deliverer. Here it is. You'll probably get so tired of me saying this, but this is Exodus and the Gospel story that we live today. Exodus. There were a people in slavery and in bondage. They were oppressed by an enemy. They called out to God and God raised up a Deliverer who delivered them through the blood of the Lamb and rescued them, and they're on the way to the promised land. New Testament, and today, people are in bondage and in slavery, oppressed by an enemy. We cried out, and guess what? God raised up a deliverer, Jesus Christ. And by the blood of the Lamb, He saved us. And we're on the way to the promised land. Amen? The Gospel story that Moses was about and depicted shows us the beauty of Jesus. He esteemed all of this reproach, all of this suffering he had to deal with, not a problem because he knew this was pointing to something greater. He gave up the riches, we'll see his storyline here, that he could have had in Egypt. He gave all that up because he knew what his role was to do is to point to the Messiah something greater. Listen to this, Hebrews 11. If you're in Hebrews, quickly go to 11. Hebrews 11, verse 26. Hebrews 11, 26. This is so good. We'll start with verse 24. By faith, Moses when he grown up, refused to be known as son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace, look at, look at, look at your scripture, for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses, though he had a limited grasp on who Christ was and the Messiah and the hope and the blessing of this redemption that would come, he had his hope in Christ. He was preparing the people to get ready for the Messiah, which we'll see in this next two years. Moses was great. I tell you what, Christ is far, far greater. In the first list that we had about Moses, we talked about his accomplishments. Now we're going to look at Christ. Not only in what he did, but who he 
is. Let's look at this. Number one, he was chosen. Jesus was preserved and set apart and rescued when a king said all baby boys should die. Didn't I just say that about Moses? Oh yeah. He was chosen and set apart. He was chosen by God for a certain task and he followed it to the end. Obeying the Lord. Christ is far greater than Moses. He was... He's not, he wasn't a prophet. He is the prophet. For Moses, I put, he was a prophet. Here we have, he is the prophet. Not only was he a prophet telling truths about God, he was the ultimate greatest prophet showing the truth of God. Christ is greater than Moses. He was the deliverer. Again, Moses was the one who delivered the people by the blood of the Lamb. Christ delivers His people because He is the Lamb by His own blood. It's far greater. He's the deliverer. He rescues people from slavery of sin. He is the new Moses leading the children of God from the bondage of sin to freedom and the promised land. Finding forgiveness and grace. He established the church. Moses established the nation. Christ established the church. He's the head of the church. And he dies for the church. Christ is far greater than Moses. He is the lawgiver. The Old Testament, we'll get to this as we look at Leviticus and the law. What do we have all these laws? The Old Testament was a schoolmaster to point us to Christ. It's to help us see the beauty of Christ. Isaiah 33.22 says this, For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Christ is far greater than Moses. He is the high priest. We looked at the high priest in Genesis. He is far greater. And we'll look more at that when we look at the role of the high priest in the future. He, not only, well, Moses had the glory of God, but Moses was embarrassed. He put a veil on because the glory was fading. Christ is the glory of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, James chapter 2 says. The Shekinah glory was this physical manifestation of God's glory, and Jesus is that. John chapter 1 says this, we have seen the glory of God dwelling among us. And that's found in Jesus Christ. Christ is greater than Moses. He is the mediator. He establishes the new covenant between us and God. 1 Timothy chapter 2 says this, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man, Christ Jesus. He is the historian. All of the Old Testament is about pointing to Jesus Christ. And He is the focus point of history. Christ is the focus of history. Christ is greater than Moses. And lastly, He is humble. 
greater calling, the greater servant, Christ fulfills that. Christ is the faithful Son. The supreme example of faithfulness. Christ is greater than Moses. But let me end with application. What does this mean for us? Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 3. He's writing this, the book of Hebrews is writing, and he's writing to people who understand the law. They understand that he's writing to Hebrew people, the Israelites. He's writing to them who have turned to Christ to remind them Christ is greater. Well, you've got a great heritage. You've got a great understanding of the law, but Christ is greater. You understand high priest, Christ is greater. You understand Moses, Christ is greater. Look at verse 1 again, Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. What does that mean for us? What does Christ require from us to remain focused on the perfect leader and deliverer? We must hold firmly and keep our focus on Christ. So take a look. If you, we're not going to read through it. Look at the second part of Hebrews 3. Warnings against unbelief I have written in my Bible. Verses 7 all the way to 19, he gives a negative example. You know what? Look at Israel. And we'll learn this as we go through the Old Testament. They were not faithful. They turned their back on God who saved them. They, while wandering in the desert, complained and complained. They wandered because they were complaining to begin with. Years of unfaithfulness. Don't be like them. Instead, he gives the positive example the first part, 1 through 6. Fix your eyes on Christ. Consider Jesus. Consider, think about, focus on. Your focus should be on Christ. The main challenge for us today is to focus on the greatness of Christ that will help you in your daily walk. Be faithful in your commitment to Him. Hold on. Don't give up. It takes effort. A healthy focus on Christ helps your walk in the Lord. In fact, I encourage you this week, if you could do me a favor, write this down. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It talks about Moses for almost half of the chapter. It talks about the glory of God. And the last verse, verse 18. The more we behold the glory and the greatness of Christ, it will help transform us more and more to be more like Him. Three quick things to do that. Be faithful. Don't lose heart. Be devoted in your Christian life. Focus your thoughts on His true significance even though we're going mock speed for two years through the old testament some of my old testament professors might be sad we're going that fast through the old testament they'll say you did two and a half years on ephesians spend that you know spend more time on the old testament i believe listen to me every sunday 
as we look at Christ the greatest, Christ the deliverer, Christ the Shiloh. Remember last week? We will just go, yes, it's about Jesus. I think going through the Old Testament, we're going to get a greater appreciation of who Christ is and was and will be. Keep your focus on Christ. Be faithful. Number two, get rid of sin and unbelief. (laughs) We're going to see this in the Old Testament and the New. People are unfaithful. We are unfaithful. In fact, I, I haven't got a tattoo yet, but if I do, I'm debating between the two tattoos. One is 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, on my chest, upside down, so I read it every time, every, you know, read it every day. You have to look that one up. 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. Or this, right here. God is faithful. So every time I just go, Why? Oh yeah, God is faithful. Why do I do that? Oh yeah, God is faithful. But God, why? Oh yeah, God is faithful. Every time in our unfaithfulness or disbelief or we feel like giving up, we need to repent. We can, I would look quickly look and go, oh yeah, God is faithful. Get rid of sin and unbelief. Believe. Trust, repent. What today? What today do you need to repent of? What today do you need to say, God, get rid of this in my life? Fix and focus your thoughts on His true significance. And the third one, the last one here, be resolute to focus your thoughts on His true significance. Don't give up. Be resolute. Be firm in it. Keep your focus on Christ. Be devoted in your walk. Read Scripture daily. Keep your fingers in your word and your eyes on the prize. Here's my last sentence I wrote down. No one dead or alive is greater than Christ. He deserves greater honor, greater veneration, greater devotion, Greater worship than anyone or anything else. Amen? Focus your thoughts on His true significance. That's why we have communion. That's why we celebrate the Lord.